Welcome to the 49th Meal Podcast. My name is Mitchell Howe and I am your host. I'm going to take you along a journey throughout the state of Alaska where we will meet the men and women that make the food that you love. All right, everyone, we are here with Emily of the Bite Size Baker. She makes macaroons, and I will let her introduce herself. Thanks for having me on your show, Mitchell. My name is Emily Wardoff. I have been in Alaska since 2001. Um, I'm married and have three kids. I live in Palmer, and uh, I just recently started a small business uh, making macarons. Well, congratulations on starting the business. And now, um, for our listeners, what is a macaron? I'm sure some of them maybe have heard it, never seen it, or they've seen it and just never known what it is. Right. Um, So a macaron is a delicate meringue cookie with a filled center. Um, They have kind of a a crunchy egg-like shell and a soft, chewy center. Um, They come in pretty much any flavor you can imagine. All right, and I know I, I've personally had the pleasure to be able to try a few of the flavors you have, but you want to let our listeners know um, kind of what flavors you do and let them know about the Alaska flavors. Yeah, for sure. I am doing some of your um, fruity flavors like strawberry, cherry, orange. Um, one of my popular flavors is coconut lime. I have a raspberry flavor, and then I have a few chocolate flavors. Um, I can do like a peanut butter chocolate mix. Just a- Which is wonderful. <laughs> For the record, just yeah. want to stay w- w- wonderful. <laughs> um, and then, you know, your plain chocolate. I have some other, like a cinnamon spice. And I'm also just kind of exploring as I go through the grocery store, finding um, inspiration to make new flavors all the time. I've tried making a s'mores macaron, which turned out really good. <laughs> Um, I actually have a, a box of Oreo cookies in my house right now that I'm planning on using to make an Oreo cookie macaron. So Ooh. I'm just kind of like, you know, exploring and, and, uh, trying to use my creative side to get flavors together. And sorry, you mentioned my Alaska flavors. So, um, I did bring you a few of those. Yes, they were, they were really cool because then we'll post some pictures up. I mean, they, they just got that look to them and the, the flavors, I won't get carried away. I'll let you go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do in Alaska is to pick wild berries. I pick um, fireweed and blueberries and I grow rhubarb and raspberries. And um, anyways, so that's been kind of my inspiration for my Alaska flavors, which is kind of my ultimate goal with my business is is to produce kind of like an Alaska themed macaron. So um, I've made a crowberry macaron and I've made a peanut butter and fireweed jelly. Which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. That was the, the first one I, I tried that really right. kind of caught my interest yeah. and popped. Yeah. So, I mean, I love Alaska. I love being out in um, um, just exploring nature here and um so i you know people are crazy about anything alaskan (laughs) and they're kind of unique flavors i love crowberry there that one's kind of unique it's kind of like a cranberry flavor it has a little um it's a little bit it has kind of a little bit of tart aftertaste you know but anyway so you know i have to wait that those would have to be seasonal because i'd have to collect the ingredients but that's my kind of ultimate vision with my my uh, macaron business. 
And when is berry picking season up here? I know um, we're starting to look at breakup happening anytime yeah. soon. So I imagine this time of year pretty gets pretty exciting. Yes, it's exciting for Alaskans for sure. The weather's <laughs> starting to warm up. So, you know, it varies a little bit. Your raspberries are going to start to ripen in July. Uh, your fireweed kind of depends on how the summer goes, but that's usually towards the end of July, maybe the first week into August. Your blueberries are going to be mid to late August, and your crowberries are actually going to be a fall berry. They're, okay. I've read that they're best after the first frost, but I don't pick them after the frost because I don't want to be <laughs> out there in the cold. I, pick a, I usually cr- pick crowberries at the beginning of September after my kids go back to school and um, and I just frost them myself. I, I pick them and I put them in the freezer and give them a little frost layer and it's supposed to kind of sweeten them up a little bit. But um, and then I, I um, juice them and make a jelly with those. And the jelly is what I'm using to make the filling for the, the crowberry macaron. Nice. And for people that aren't from Alaska, because so when I moved up here, I was in Sitka. We did not have fireweed at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved when I came up here to Anchorage. I seen, I mean, there's streets, there's whole skyscraper buildings named fireweed. So, do you mind kind of telling our listeners what fireweed is? Like, kind of how how would you describe it to them? Um, fireweed is, um, I think it gets its name because it it grows after a fire has has gone through an area. It's one of the first things that pops up, um, and. Um, it grows like crazy. It's a weed. <laughs> if you get it in your backyard, it'll take over your backyard. It has kind of a hot pink flower um, that grows up a stalk. So I, I cut off the blooms and pick the petals off the blooms. And again, you make kind of like a tea with them okay. and then strain the tea. And then you add your pectin and stuff like that to make a jelly. Um, but it's really beautiful, you know, in, in late July, it just covers <laughs> the mountains and make, gives them that kind of fluorescent purple hue. Um, so that's about all I know about fire. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know. I, I, I know. It, it, it you see it. it a lot. I say yeah. you see it a lot in a lot of different, um, especially small businesses like yours, a lot of different yeah. small uh, food businesses. And I said, you go to Anchorage, they have a whole skyscraper uh, fireweed tower and right. everything. So now uh, what got you started on macaroons? I mean, out of all the different <clears throat> things to bake yeah. and cook, what what selected? Uh, what got you started on macarons? Yeah, like I said, I've been in Alaska since two thousand one, but most of the time, most of that time was spent in Anchorage, and I, I had a very full life in Anchorage. I was committed to a lot of things, had a lot of people in my life, and involved in schools, and I was actually doing hair in Anchorage, um, and. And just had a very full life. And then last summer in 2019, in June, our family uprooted and moved out here to Palmer. And I left my very busy life behind. I got here to Palmer and a lot of those things that were keeping me busy were gone. And so I found a little bit of time in my life that I to fill with with something new 
And I had just kind of got it in my head. <laughs> um, my husband and I love watching the Great British Baking Show, and they make macarons on there occasionally, and they just make it look so easy. You know, the, they're like, oh, I made this beautiful, th- you know, three-tiered cake, and then they're like, and I'm going to put a macaron on top of it. <laughs> and they'll just, you know, whip it, uh, whip up the eggs and pop them out of the oven, and they look beautiful. And, that, you know, on TV, they make it look so easy. <laughs> and I, I had read how difficult they were to make, and it was more just a personal challenge I just wanted to try and like I said I had some time to kind of explore a new hobby and so I just yeah that's kind of my inspiration was the Great British Baking Show and it just was the right time in my life and and hey you gotta love when all the stars kind of line up like that so so when did you go from doing this as a hobby to knowing Mm -hmm. like hey I want to do this as a business I want to share this with other people right Um, so when I started making the macarons, my first macaron, the first batch that I made, they, you know, they came out of the oven and they had those little roughly feet on them. So I was very proud of myself. I thought (laughs) that I had done a really good job, but then, uh, the next day I realized I looked in my cupboard and I realized that I had used, um, gluten-free flour instead of almond flour. (laughs) And, you know, like when they came out, well, I, I thought like, oh, this isn't as hard as what people make it out to me. <laughs> I like, read all these articles online saying this is the hardest cookie to make. I'm like, oh, it's not that hard. But then once I realized I had used the wrong kind of flour, that was my first mistake, you know. And after that, it was kind of downhill for a while. I had I'd read dozens and dozens of articles online. I had watched, you know, as many YouTube videos <laughs> trying to, you know, and pretty much every mistake that you could think of I made. (laughs) Um, And it was, there was some tears sometimes (laughs) trying to make these cookies. And I don't know, I'm a pretty determined person. And, you know, I guess once I got it stuck in my head that I wanted to figure out how to make these, it was hard for me to let it go. So I just kept going. And then eventually, you know, once I got to a point where I felt like I had uh, conquered some of the obstacles, I started sharing them with friends and, you know, your family <laughs> starts, you know, they, they, um, and your friends, they enjoyed them and then started saying like, oh, you should sell these. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I should, you know. <laughs> and, and then at Christmas time, um, I had a couple of people ask me for them for Christmas gifts and wanted to know how much I charged. And so I, I sold some at Christmas time and it kind of evolved from there when I started getting real serious about it. I thought, oh, I could really do this, you know. So I don't know. If that, <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's a perfect answer. And I think a lot of people that are listening to the show or just in the food industry in general probably have close to the same story. A lot of us yeah. started out as a hobby and then mm-hmm. it just kind of grows from there. All right. So um, I know for Valentine's Day, you did a little bit of an event kind of, and I've seen you out there a little bit. What's kind of, the game plan from here kind of for holidays or different events going on. Right. So my business plan, um, as I've been selling more cookies and, and, and meeting more people, I have, you know, needed to get some kind of plan together, some, some family and friends and close acquaintances, you know, 
Um, and then as Valentine's Day approached, I saw an opportunity because people are looking for special gifts for Valentine's Day. So I did put a, um, a couple boxes together and, and advertised online and that went really well. And um, so moving forward, I am actually um, looking for some type of venue that I can go to regularly and that people can count on me being at with cookies. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be. I've been trying to look into the Monday market or Friday fleeing. And I, I've talked to a couple other, other people about, um, you know, opportunities around town where I can go and participate, you know, set up some kind of, um, table or something. So I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm going to, I'll keep people posted online. Um, but in the meantime, while I try to figure out a more consistent venue, I will be online, especially for special occasions. So Hopefully I can get out there um, soon. If not, my next plan is to put some type of um, special together for Mother's Day. And I'll let people know when I'm going to do that. And, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm just at the beginning of this and it's a small <laughs> business. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunities out there. I just need to find the right one for me and and have some consistency. And, and then I'll be able to you know, people will be able to count on, on my products. Yeah. You know, and I mean, coming from somebody that's ventured on their own on the chef mm -hmm. side of things, it's, um, I know it's very tempting to try to jump out there and get anything and everything, mm -hmm. get your name out as much as you can. But a lot of us has learned that you can only walk or run so fast before right. you hit a wall. So it's just I, me in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm the only one producing the cookies, so I can only do what I can handle at the moment and kind of just take one step at a time. And now, with you saying you're the only one in the kitchen, like how how many macaroons, uh, like do you do at a time? Because I, I imagine I know myself. I've dabbled in trying to learn how to make them. Ended up with a lot of swear words and stuff <laughs> lying around. But I know it's a very time-consuming process. So uh, kind of what what's the process on um, time-wise on making them? Yeah, I mean, there's a zillion little things that are going to affect the way your macaron turns out. It is, it is crazy. You know, anyway, <laughs> from like under-mixing the eggs, over-mixing the eggs, the eggs have to be room temperature if you put, you know, if you don't pipe them right if you don't like the oven temperature the way you cool them off when you I mean there's just like so many things that affect the cookie so you know over time and like all my you know I, I probably threw out at least 50 batches and you know trying to figure out how to make these cookies but I definitely I found a method that works for me and I've worked out a lot of the kinks and now <laughs> as long as I can consistently follow my method um, I can produce about 25 cookies. It would take me about an hour and a half to two hours to produce about 25 cookies. So yeah, it is time consuming and it, it takes a lot of thought. It's not something that I can do in a hurry or like <laughs> if I'm working on cookies and my kids or my husband start coming and talking to me, then I'm like making mistakes. And um, so, you know, it definitely takes a little bit of a, it's a method for sure, you know, that you have to follow the formula very very carefully. So now, um, one thing I really like to talk to my guests about is um, unique advantages and challenges of being in Alaska mm -hmm. compared to the lower 48. It doesn't sound like like shipping's a big thing for you, but mm -hmm. besides, I think one of the advantages I've heard or is the access to local ingredients. 
how how about the climate? Does that play to your advantage or disadvantage up here? Because like yesterday, two days ago, we had snow coming down, right. and today it's like ten degrees and bright and sunny out. Just for our listeners, ten degree. If it's above zero <laughs> and sunny, it's warm in Alaska in the winter. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Um. You know, so far the climate hasn't affected me. I, I've been able to produce my cookies pretty consistently with my method. Um, you know, being in Alaska, yeah, I, I, you know, some people in the food industry are affected by, you know, being able to get the right ingredients and stuff like that. I haven't run into that problem yet because my ingredients are pretty basic. You know, there's really only like five ingredients in a macaron. Those aren't hard to get. It's just your basic, you know, powdered sugar, regular sugar, almond flour, and, you know, some cream of tartar, um, you know, so those are not hard ingredients to get. Um, so I, I don't know that I've had any big obstacles being in a, in Alaska, in Alaska necessarily. I, I definitely think there's some advantages to being in Alaska, especially in a small community like Palmer. Um, Palmer has been very supportive of small businesses. Um, it's a really tight knit community, super friendly people I've met. Like everybody, <laughs> I swear, I like everybody I've met that has reached out to me to buy cookies. I'm like, this person is so nice. Oh, I like, I just love it. And, you know, and yeah, everybody's just been so kind. And um, so I think having a small business in an area like this, that there really is some advantages to it, especially like when you connect with people and they just want to support you and um, kind of feed off that sense yeah. of community. Yeah. And it's funny you said that because uh, me and my wife, we spent 10 years in Texas and you always hear the uh, Southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. And both of us just said it from the moment we landed in Sitka and he, coming here to Palmer is mm-hmm. Southern hospitality has nothing right. on Alaskan hospitality. Right. It just seems it's a it's more than a mindset. I mean, it's a way of life up here yeah. is that sense of community yeah. and helping each other. I think a lot of people are so far away from their families that they their friends become their family and their, you know, their community becomes their family. And yeah definitely bonding and now um coming here into um the future uh we've been talking about these wonderful macaroons if people click on our show notes they'll be able to see them but where uh where can people find you at online people can find me on facebook and instagram at bite size baker 907 and um is that kind of the best way for people to be able to get a hold of you right now Yes, they can uh, message me through Facebook or Instagram. I do have a phone number on there. There, anyone's welcome to call or text me. I'm, I'm working on as I build a customer base. I'm working on a um, email list. So eventually, I'm gonna put email, an email together where I can, you know, when I have stuff come up, I can keep people informed because the internet tends to filter information. So. Unless you're actively <laughs> looking, you might not always catch me on there. But um, so if people are interested, they are welcome to message me their email as well. And, and I can get them on my list. And and um, when I get that put together, I can keep in touch with them that way. All right. And like I said, we'll make sure we include all of uh, those links here in our show notes. 
And well, thank you so much, Emily, for joining us. And we wish you the best of success and look forward to talking with you more as your business grows and watching your business uh, hopefully develop and take off this summer. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the interview, please go ahead and be sure to check the show notes so you can follow our guests on their social media. And we also ask that you please give us a thumbs up or a rating wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you did not like the show, well, just go ahead and listen to something else then. Nobody needs a negative Nancy. Thank you for listening to my daddy, Hugh Ladle.